Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Do you want to go to rugby heaven? Let's go back to 1987 with Squidge. With Squidge. Let's go back to 87 with Squidge. You know what I should have done before starting this podcast is look up the Romanian for hello, because I'm going to now say bonjour and hello in Romanian and welcome to the Squidge Rugby World Cup retrospective podcast, the rugby podcast that is this week going to be entirely in Romanian. Joining me to do the Romanian are Will Owen. Hello, you stitched me up here. <laughs> that was that was in English. Hold on, hold on, oh, hold on. You're the one who's just told me after we start recording that we're doing this in Romanian. Yeah, yeah you're doing this in uh, Romanian. Uh, I'm doing it in English. <laughs> okay. Oh, so you're speaking English. I'm speaking yeah, yeah, Romanian, yeah. and our guest is speaking in French. Is that the way we're doing this for balance? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, we are being joined by a guest who is in another country. So, Rihanna, I'll give you a choice. Do you want to? Do you want to? Do you want to speak in Danish? Uh, yeah, so fairly. Oh yes, that sounded so cool in a in a Burnley accent. <laughs> I have discovered that it's actually much easier to speak Danish in a Burnley accent than it is in like a sort of I don't know, like a less Burnley accent, basically, because. They don't bother with about 50% of the consonants in uh, Danish. So actually just like leaning into a Burnley accent is really like excellent, excellent Danish practice. Although I was going to say hello in French. I was like... <laughs> do you want... Do you want? Okay, I'll give you the choice Bonjour. between French and Danish. Ça va? <laughs> uh, ça va bien, merci. No, it's yeah. Nice. Yeah. I've yeah. just found out the um, the Romanian for hello is Buna Zua. Oh, Buna Zua. Thank you. No, so you're, the, you're Iranian. I'm speaking English. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. hello. That's a bit easier. There's, uh, I, I, I don't know how far I trust Google, but yeah. We are joined once again, as you just heard, by Rihanna Garth Jones. How are we doing? How are you doing? How are you? Saba. Am I allowed to stick to English? <laughs> I will. I will allow you off, providing you do it in a Burnley accent, because it's so much easier to lean into English. In a Burnley do accent. I have to do a Burnley accent as well? Don't you fucking dare! <laughs> <laughs> what if I said yes? No, 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 no. What if I'm... I said yes? Uh, <laughs> then is... I will overrule you because you're not the boss of me. There's something very telling about this is the first time I've tried to take any kind of executive control over the podcast and <laughs> no one has listened to a word I've said. <laughs> uh, I introduced myself in Danish and French. As to be fair, that's just because you're very good, though. I mean, than... I, I got to sort of the absolute extent of my ability in both languages, to be honest. We'll, we'll work on it. We'll work on it. We'll get your thoughts on uh, Romania prop Floro Opus in uh, <laughs> Romanian later. Or Danish. 
or Danish. I'm open to any language that isn't English. I hope all of your listeners are English, though, and that no one can complain. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I mean... like my efforts. I mean, we're not doing very well in the French podcast charts, I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. Not yet. But this might be the game to break it. Because today we are here to talk about France's 55-12 win over Romania from the 1987 Rugby World Cup. The most memorable and famous match, I think, in the sports history. Yeah, I think so. I think when we approached Rhiannon saying, hey, Rhiannon, you know, we've not had you on the podcast in a while. A valued guest of ours. Uh, you know, mm. you've been on this, this podcast multiple times, but not many guests have. Uh, and we thought, you know what? What game do we have to give Rhiannon as a valued guest? Well, it's got to be. There's only one game it can be. France against Romania. We've given you a France game before. We've given you a Romania game before. So we've got to combine the two. Yeah, both of those games were infinitely superior in just about every sense. Well, they had Steve Walsh, so it's always going to be the case. <laughs> so, Rhiannon, obviously, I think, like us, we grew up watching clips of this match. We'd never watched it back in full. We watched the highlights so many times as a child. Every day. Uh, I imagine you, you must have been similar. You must have just grown up seeing France Romania from 1987 over and over again. Yeah, so like we had this video as kids, and I would say it was like the game we ever watched just yeah. you know, wake up at six in the morning put the video on sit down have a nice like France versus Romania 87 pretty much knew all the commentary off by heart I mean, like <laughs> eight or nine I would say very yeah. very familiar that, yeah with, that with the it. game with the players with everything about this yeah if ever you woke up early at 6am when you're a kid and you know you were ill maybe you just woke up early for school you had to be somewhere uh wherever it was early the choice was always is it going to be the hoops on Channel hoops, 4? Hoops, yep. I was thinking or, the hoops. Or France v Romania on VHS. I, I was thinking that, like, quite a lot of the time, you know, when I was a kid, uh, avid listeners of this podcast will know that I'm I'm quite a big fan of the Wallace and Gromit franchise. I was very, very into the wrong trousers as a kid, that apparently to the extent, uh, as my, my grandmother regularly told me, that it, when, when, like, I wouldn't want to eat my food or whatever. I would say, I'll only do it if you put on the wrong trousers. But typically, the thing I've not told everybody is... It's either the wrong trousers, mm. Thomas the Tank Engine, yes. or Serge Blanco pulling his hamstring. It's one of those three. I'm really, really into Serge Blanco pulling his hamstring. Yeah, yeah I mean, and I was... just the icing on the cake of this game. You know, like every time you see the star, and you're like, yes, Serge Blanco, and then nope, no Serge Blanco. No <laughs> Serge like, Blanco. Oh, it's a classic. He's done it again. That in, bit where he hates. my notes, I actually wrote, Serge is injured. Sad face. Life betrays us. <laughs> it's a real, a real throwback to learning as a child that life will basically betray you. Yeah, it is. You know, it's like how people talk about like showing kids stuff with death in it and like death of pets and so on, preparing them for for life betraying you. I found that really seeing Serge Blanco, one of the all time greatest rugby players, certainly greatest French players of all time go off injured early in this game really did set me up for the fact that life is a bag of shit (laughs) (laughs) it's like you know that the scene in Wallace and Gromit the wrong trousers where Feathers McGraw pulls out the gun and you're like oh my god he's going to kill Wallace and Gromit (laughs) it's like imagine if he fired that thing you're like wait a second wait a second the penguin is the chicken yeah, yeah. Oh, that's 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 the biggest plot twist. Uh, I'm uh, I'm aware that these might be spoilers for any listeners of mm. of this podcast who might not know 
the 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 big plot twist at the end of right. Wallace and Gromit the wrong Wait until we get on some plot twist from the Hoobs. Wait oh, until yeah. we start spoiling episodes <laughs> or, of the Hoobs. You never what? guessed the, the tiddly peeps, they were this smart, they were fun, and they did know. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, oh man, those those tiddly people. I mean, you've already a couple of times in this podcast before told us pretty much the entire storyline of Uncle Boon Me, who could recall his past lives. Mm. So you've um, really spoiled that for the viewers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure you should draw the line. Up I wonder. I wonder how many of our listeners have seen that compared to how many have seen Wallace and Gromit: The Wrong Trousers. Well, we know they've all seen Franz Fiorini from 1987. Yeah, so. that's true. Well, <laughs> true, everyone yeah. has. I think I think I think the stat is about. I think it's one third of the population have seen it. Mm. I mean, I think it's they are very much like the free staples of pop culture, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's like we're talking like the hoops, Walton Gromit, the wrong trousers, Franz Romani from nineteen eighty seven, Uncle Boom Meek and Call His Past Lives, mm-hmm. the Francois Truffaut film Jules et Jim, and then what, that's like, a new one, Batman or something like. <laughs> I think Never those are the five it. most famous works of pop culture ever. I'm yeah. wondering at what point it's worth me saying that I've got no idea what the first one is. The Hoops. I the think hoops. I'm really doing my age. Oh, man. The, so the, the Hoops <laughs> was a Jim Henson production. Uh, the probably... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a, a Jim yeah. Henson show. That was on Channel 4 at 6am and they showed it at 6am for about 15 years. Like it probably started about 2001, 2 or something, if not earlier than that. I am in fact showing my age. Yeah. (laughs) And it ran until quite recently. Like they just, they stopped making episodes after about seven or eight They probably made like seven or eight seasons, but they continued showing it early morning on Channel 4. Yeah, yeah. It was the most like five, six a.m. kids' TV show. Yeah, you can imagine okay. the the Let's setup. Make a note of this for the next time I hang out with young people. <laughs> <laughs> the hoops. So, the, the, so there were there were three of the hoops, and the, there were Ivor Grove and Tula. Uh, they were journalists from an alien planet who'd come to visit the Earth and find out stuff. And they there was Roma as well, who was the, the Roman uh, award-winning journalist. Um, it's worth adding. Yeah, yeah. Rome was like the really talented one. Like she oh, was like the kind of <laughs> there. Yes, I mean they've got some really, really great takes. Uh, yeah, yeah. They think Valtteri is the best number of all time as well. I'm like very, very uh, award-winning journalist cartoon characters. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever and like Stephen, like Stephen Jones, going to drop all pretends <laughs> now. Uh, they would regularly get their information from children because uh, that was a good source of knowledge. So yeah. if ever the hoops need to find out something, they would go and ask the tiddly peeps who were who were just kids, and they just ask some kids about and what's the subject. It was quite frustrating because three out of the hoops were like, "Oh yeah, yeah I, I trust these kids. You know, I think it's pretty good." And the other one would just go, "In my experience, this is all bollocks," which was a really really bad thing to broadcast on a kids' TV show. The hoops. I never saw the description of the hoops. Might be <laughs> maybe I need to Google it before I talk to young people about it. <laughs> You know, I never sort of think about how weird it was that three of the hoobs were Jim Henson puppets and the other one was an elderly, slightly Welsh man who was very angry about modern rugby, but mostly just watched golf instead. <laughs> I, I really loved the guest appearance from Peter Jackson on there as well. <laughs> and not the one from Lord of the Rings. No, no, no. no. <laughs> it was weirdly the more likely one to turn up on that. Yeah. I mean, he's got all sorts of links to puppetry, but we won't we won't go into Peter Jackson's history of puppetry. No, because but at least we've now the... 
We've now found out that in in the realm of this podcast, Stephen Jones is a hoob. The worst thing about this is the theme song is now wrong because it begins, you know who the hoobs are. <laughs> I'm a groovement doula and you don't, and Stephen Jones, award-winning journalist from the Times. <laughs> and they're ready to go. The wheels are now turning. It's you something so much let's better all get learning what we want to know <laughs> who's playing um, in the back row for wales this weekend do 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 harbour harbour's in hoobland and roma's somewhere far away how oh, do you remember oh, this so God. well the motor reds are singing I mean, remember the engine spinning the hoobmobile is coming your way do 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 the hoobs are here so what do you say hoobs great finish yeah this is why i'm uh, such a respected figure within rugby journalism i am sweating an awful lot right now (laughs) aren't you glad you came on here rather than the egg chasers rhiannon it's an absolute delight to be here and i will fight anyone who says otherwise but i will also warn them to have a stiff drink before they get there We regret rocking up with licorice tea, I'll be honest. <laughs> we've talked around the game's almighty reputation as one of the mm. all-time great rugby matches. We've talked about the concept of the game a lot. Mm. <laughs> uh, should we talk about the teams? Okay, let's do it. Let's do it. I, I should say straight up, I took a very uh, modern English pundit approach to this game. And uh, although the teams appeared at the start of the game, I didn't look up any of them. So the only players I am familiar with are the ones I already know, and they would be Serge Blanco and Felipe Sela, and pretty much everybody else is a mystery to me. I've just written down their number and their jersey colour. That does <laughs> like it. That does it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's entirely fair. So yeah, yeah should yeah. we start with France? Sure. With that in mind. So I mean, they start the same backline other than ten. Where in typical French fashion, they just swap the ten out for every pool game in yeah. this World Cup. I've so Guy Laporte now. comes in Laporte, at ten. Laporte, great name to say. Mm. I, that a lot. I learned his name through the course of the game. Yeah. I mean, he scores enough points that you can kind of pick up on it. It comes up. It comes up repeatedly. <laughs> I still find it so bizarre that they have a second number eleven winger called Marc Andure, not yes. the one from the late noughties and early teens and they're both such similar players yeah every single time and i I played in a previous game that we covered like i looked up whether they're related they're not but i I looked it up again before this game just to double check and no no relation can i just mention on gila port i have literally just seen this he died of a heart attack two weeks ago oh yes i saw this when i looked him up it's very sad yeah, that is very sad. Which, yeah. That is very sad, and that club man, I think they wrote a very nice statement about him. Mm. Mm. Well, um, with, with that in mind, he was excellent in this game. We'll um, yes, yes, he we'll was. Preface, preface it with very that. Nice we'll, to give <laughs> yeah, we'll probably talk about him quite a lot in this game, but yeah, that's that's because this is the first time I've seen him play, and yeah, a very good first ever. impression of him. Mm. Uh, yeah. They make a few more changes in the pack, France. Big fan of Jean-Pierre Gary Limapoux, who has four names, which all of them incredibly French. Uh, <laughs> he moves from tie head to loose head, which was just a thing that people did then. That's it. Um, and then, yeah, they make a few other changes in and around the pack. But Jean-Con, Dominic, Champ, who are kind of the two biggest names, stay in, whilst yeah. pretty much everyone else changes. Yeah. Eric so- Champ, I've just checked, is the blind side? Yes, he is. Why? 
a French number six so skinny? That's hmm. not a blind size. He's what I wrote very early on. <laughs> big though. Yeah, very tall. Him and the number, yeah. seven, number seven was the like most stereotypically Dalit looking person I've ever seen in my life. Yes. Like a giant, but quite slim. And then like all this sort of blonde, curly locks going on. Yeah. I think really, really early on, mm. there was a very sort of solid introduction to like rugby in 1987 is not quite the same. Just from like looking at the players. Go on, Rhiannon. Take us away. Take us back to 1987. What what was what were the first things that struck you uh, looking at this? The big the big key differences. The first thing that struck me was, oh, I'm back here again in New Zealand. This is the same view as I'm sure I saw the last time, but there are even fewer yes. people watching now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I mean, on the crowd point, right? So they allowed for this game only. All the children got in yeah. for free. Loads um, of like loads of kids, but still not very many people. No. Vote. So the commentator says that they reckon there's an 100 to 1 child to adult policy going on, which is actually Italy's current selection policy in their team. <laughs> in many ways, it was very insight, like very forward thinking of them. <laughs> Imagine being one of those teachers, though. It's been a nightmare. I was going to say, like, yeah, that's, like yeah, that's okay. a horrible ratio. Right. I've worked in schools, right? Like, and you're, I think it's sort of 28 to 1 is the number you're allowed like as the maximum yeah um and that's horrid yeah i remember, yeah, yeah. My, I remember what my younger brother's class had 36 kids to one mm. teacher and everybody talked about it like it was the worst thing that yeah. there was also like 31 boys in that class only five oh, girls man. and like the teachers were just constantly traumatized all the way through the school like whoever had to have that class yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I, could, I couldn't do that. Like the worst idea. I would say the worst idea no one's ever had, but then I watched this game and there were a lot of competitors. <laughs> According to ESPN Scrum, the official attendance for this game was 5,500, which means that at least 5,000 of those were kids, right? Is my maths right there? Five adults. I mean, yeah. your maths is right. I'm not sure the commentator's maths was necessarily right. Yeah. Mind you, like the, he was definitely right. There was a lot of kids there, not not hundred to one, but there was there was a lot of them there to the extent at which, like, there's a point where Romania are about to make a substitution, and the guy who's about to come on is just surrounded by just you know punters there who are mainly kids running circles around him. Which ironically is what happened when he came on the pitch as well. But I'm just helping him warm up, <laughs> surrounded by children so young. Yeah, yeah. It was it was all the tiddly tiddly peeps. Um tiddly peeps, uh, tiddly help. peeps. Yeah. Oh, they're smart, they're fun, they know. Yeah. <laughs> Is this a hoobs reference? I'm afraid <laughs> so, Rhiannon. I'm catching um, on, it's great. I'm learning lots. Yeah. It's like an educational podcast. Peeps, like the hoobs themselves. <laughs> so yeah, the, that's more or less the French team. Should we look at Romania? Sure. I mean, actually, while we're talking about the, the intro to the game before we move on to the Romanian team. Yes. The Coverage begins with just a shot of the Japanese commentators suddenly looking very self-conscious. Yes. And, and then the, and the commentators, commentators commentating on the commentators. Yes. It's like Christopher Nolan's yeah. coverage. <laughs> Actually, he watched as a child and it really inspired him to go on and make Inception. That's um, canon. Yeah. So it's, yeah. And they bring up a few times like, they're showing this game in Japan, guys. Like <laughs> we've made it. They're showing this game in Japan. But then, then what gets weirder is that them talking about where the commentators are. Mm. So these these Japanese 
pundits are sat in a commentary box which is seemingly segregated from the rest of the world as they seem to be on like a raised but you know those um those little kind of cable cars that they have going through yeah 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 yeah. it's like they're sat on one of them the thing it reminded me of is like and none of you'll appreciate this but like those towers you need to climb to unlock the map in breath of the wild like it looked like a mini quest you had to try and get up to the commentary box I've got to say, I feel like you guys were paying more attention like immediately. <laughs> I remember Look, none of this. <laughs> I've learned from doing what is this like eleven or twelve episodes of this this now on eighty seven. You have to pay. I pay more attention at the pre match and post match than I do at the game itself. I was paying attention, but my notes are just like, why will they not stop talking about the fucking wind? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the wind is the wind it takes up a lot of the chat. There's like, mud versus wind. What is the greatest leveler? There's like a whole back and forth debate. Maybe the Romanians thought it was mud, but they're about to find out otherwise. I mean, they weren't wrong, to be fair. (laughs) They were fascinated by the shaking posts, weren't they? The the camera people kept showing the posts were wobbling back and forth and just thought, well, if there's nothing happening in the game, we'll just show that again. That's bound to raise a laugh. And I mean, I did think, you know, like you do see this a lot, actually, when like in in the modern game Mm. and like the pundits and the commentators are insisting on telling you how bad the weather is because sometimes you can't tell and it it is important to explain Mm. it. And there was a point where, like, I think just after half time, where I was like, oh, will the wind? Yes, the wind is definitely (laughs) helping France now. I do see what they were talking about. Yeah. But also I felt like there was a really excessive quantity of wind chat throughout this match, which was Mm. not necessarily relevant to (laughs) to what was happening on the pitch, including the bit where they talked about the man who lost his hat six years ago. Yes, yes. Oh, Rhiannon, please tell us about the man who lost his hat six years ago. I mean, I just wrote, a man lost his hat. <laughs> and then I think texted you a photo of the note that I took. Yeah. I think they said it was so windy wherever this game was played six years ago that someone lost his hat and then like he got a phone call from a town six kilometres away telling him they'd found his hat. And I have a lot of yeah. questions. Like, yes. how did they get his phone number? Yeah. His name, like written in his hat. Who the he's, fuck cares? He's writing his phone <laughs> number in his hat. Question three is important, Rhiannon. We need to get to who, that. Who is wearing a hat in New Zealand wind when it's windy? Like, what fucking idiot? At you don't deserve your hat back, you idiot. Your hat belongs in the sea. But... <laughs> it does not I mean, belong on but... your head, back in your possession, or in the commentary for this game. <laughs> <laughs> It sounds like the wind did a pretty good job of trying to get his hat in the sea. Yeah, I think the wind was like, no, no, you don't deserve the hat anymore, fool. I'm but... having it. And also, how and... did the commentators find... Was this hat, like, in the... Yeah, local... that's a really good point, actually. Because this happened and somebody, you know, whoever had the hat, and we we don't know who it was. Well, it's not like it was like... commentators and he didn't yeah. want to say, I'm such a fucking moron that I wore my hat in this wind... Yeah, it's not even like the story finished, like, and that that man was Sir Brian Lahore, you know? Like, it was just like, oh, yeah, some guy lost his hat and some guy found it and gave it back to him. But, like, clearly the bit that they missed out is that the guy got the hat back and then wrote to, like, the Wellington Times or whatever, saying, here's an amazing story I've got. And they've got, great, we don't know what we'll do with that. We'll pass it on to some rugby commentators. I mean, I do sort of feel like New Zealand national news in 1987. It's not out of the realms of possibility. (laughs) It's like a legit news story. (laughs) 
This was the second biggest story for two months. <laughs> like there's like live sort of like coverage of the hat making. <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine it? And yeah, imagine it in this like 24 hour news era. You've got Sky News doing updates on the man still hasn't found his hat. Like at the bottom, like counting down how far away they are from a man. <laughs> I'm just I was so relieved when we got the grace note that it did blow a very long way away because there's a long enough pause where you think the end of the story that he spent about 40 (laughs) seconds telling us is a man lost his hat (laughs) that's the entire story and at least it turns up a long way away at least it blows a few like two towns over whatever it was it was in many ways one of the more coherent contributions of the Mm. in this game oh Utterly I mean, irrelevant, but at least <laughs> in and of itself, a coherent like. Hey, stop. we're talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone wants an idea for the level of, later. you know, the kind of quality of banter and entertaining chat that we're getting, the commentators are called Graham and Keith. <laughs> very New Zealand names. Mm, very forty-year-old yeah. in the late eighties New Zealand I mean, names. I've got to say, we think punditry now is bad. And I think perhaps, <laughs> I mean, I just think maybe it could be worse. I'm going to say that. Sure. I think uh, the, th- the thing is, the game was really bad as well. So I guess it, it didn't warrant good punditry. So I, I mean, guess it's excusable. Yeah. Hold on, Hold on. Are you saying this, this, game was, this game was bad? No, no, no. I'm saying the sport was bad. Oh, because this game, this, this is game one of the all-time classics. This is, this is the best game. One yeah. of the all-time great. <laughs> Yeah. Look, look. let's talk about Romania, okay? I'm here, okay. I'm here as the Romanian correspondent. Hmm. So, I mean, there's not really anything interesting to say about Romania, but One I think it's I fair. One thing I about the Romanian team, uh, which I, mean, I only noticed quite a long way through the game, is apparently Celine Dion was playing fullback. Um, <sighs> and I've made a note that he kicked the ball far across the distance, the spaces between... Oh. Him and the touchline. Oh. Oh. I had to look up a Celine Dion song lyrics for so, this joke, and it hurt my soul. <laughs> and it turns out it hurt it more to repeat it. <laughs> <laughs> so I can go. Do you want me to go one better and spare no, you? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so the ten for Romania they bring in to win his second and final cap is Romeo Berzuska, which I can't. When I heard his name for the first time, I filled it in as the Kate Bush song. As Bezuska, Bezuska, Bezuska. <laughs> and every good. time he got the ball, right, and he scores all of Romania's points. Every time he got all the ball, twelve of them. <laughs> every time he got the ball to myself, I was singing Bezuska, Bezuska, Bezuska. Very good. So very good. Both Kate Bush and Celine Dion participating in this game for Romania. Similar Look, I've to... got I've got the duration of this podcast left to think of some kind of Bonnie Tyler joke somewhere. <laughs> you've got, I mean, I think you've got time. I suspect we're going to do some rambling. There'll probably be some pauses. <laughs> yeah. um, similar to yourself, Rhiannon, I decided the only thing I can do now is I've got to try and put together a Kate Bush 15, which I have not finished. <laughs> um, <laughs> running up that Johnny Hill. Here. Uh, running up that Johnny Hill is in the second row. Yes. Nice. Uh, this woman's Wokey is in the back row. Um, nice. Hooker, we've got Rob Herring Heights. That's I mean, stretching it, but... Right, Rob, but... Rob, No, you've got to say it properly. Say Rob it. Herring Heights. Yeah. Yeah. 
One of my um, favorite books. Can't believe you desecrated it like this, but never mind. <laughs> hey, it wasn't me. It was getting, Island Reserve Booker. Oh, I haven't managed that yet. I'm going to work on it. Um, I was about to say Hans of Graham Love, and Rosie's not a player. He's well, not got... <laughs> I, I thought of that. I thought of. He's been on this podcast, well. so we can have him. We can have him. Okay, you've got to come up with a Bonnie Tyler joke, Will, and I will try and come up with a Hounds of Love. <laughs> okay, okay. At eight, I've got the current Wales under-20s captain, the Alex Mann with the child in his eyes. I've got cloud-busting Marshall at Scrum Off, which is a stretch. Then Romeo Regan King of the Mountain at centre, and a monk Angelo Esposito's. On the wing. You weren't lying when you said you'd made a 15. <laughs> I thought you were. I can't believe you weren't paying dedicated attention to the game. <laughs> it kept me going. <laughs> I've got to say, and uh, I imagine you have, having done many of these games now, gone through a lot of the, oh, so charming, the amateur stuff. But I did have a great time with mm. a lot of the really naff amateur stuff. The shorts. Yes. Delightful. Definitely something we, we could do to grow the game, I think. Bring it back. Bring it back. The strips in general, fucking great strips. And really, like, big fan of the colour blocking. Yes. Yeah. You could tell it was windy because the shirts are baggy. So they're really blowing in the wind. That's true. <laughs> the commentator's really underneath the Dallas quite a lot. <laughs> no. Is, it, is this a Bob Dylan point, podcast now? Um, at one point, one of the oh, French yes. flankers tucked his jersey into his short in a French tuck style, which for oh. queer eye fans out there is Chan France's like favourite fashion trick. And I wrote down, oh my God, a French tuck from a French player. <laughs> I was very, very excited by the style on show. That's <laughs> where it comes from. It, it was inspired by that one French forward. <laughs> the marginal gains of modern rugby tops are absolutely not worth the aesthetic gains <laughs> of the old school ones, in my opinion. I blame Clive Woodward. I blame Clive Woodward. Absolutely. I also, I also blame Clive Woodward for everything. Obviously, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. For the wind, for the decline of for the wind. <laughs> Particularly for the decline of cotton jerseys, which are the greatest. Yeah, also cotton jerseys and society. Like yes. Were just like a huddle. Yeah. And then, I mean, obviously, so, I guess the 5,000 school children in there weren't familiar with either the French or the Romanian national anthem. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, Japan are the only team so far who've lined up for the anthem. All the others mm. are getting a huddle. It yeah. was very low-key, but in a way that I actually quite liked. Mm. The, the other thing that was quite funny was, for this game particularly, both anthems were given an extra chorus at the end, just as the players started to separate. They'd then go... Da, 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 da. The people in charge of the anthems at the Rugby World Cup, having listened to some of the previous podcasts, were keen on shenanigans. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's very possible. <laughs> Some shenanigans enjoy it. The Romanian yeah. anthem goes on for over two minutes, and the players look bored. Like they try to break off, as you say, at one point, and they have to reconvene because the anthem isn't over. Yeah, and then they just kind of stand about, and no one's singing it. They cut to like the, the other players in the stands, the non-playing members of the squad, and so on in the stands. None of them are singing along. They're all a bit like. Let's get on with this now. Let's move along. We've got places to be. We've got a game to lose. And it's not even their new banger of an anthem that they've had, you know, in the yeah, last so many this years. is like obviously 1987 Ceausescu Romania. 
Mm. Mm. It's, it's a different vibe. <laughs> two years pre-revolution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Their uncle at, will improve. At, at this point, they were holding out for a hero. No. <laughs> Oh, he plays no, for Japan. Won't. He plays fly off. Ah, Japan. ah, ah for then. regular listeners. Yeah, um, yeah. Ruben Tamati Love, mm-hmm. who is a first five for the Hurricanes. Okay, fantastic. We'll take him. And we'll if take you him. Him. right, you can make that into the Hounds of Love. It's not as bad a stretch. As <laughs> <laughs> He's sliding in at twelve, and Regan King moves into thirteen. <laughs> Um, the other thing I want to mention about the pre-game, so the, obviously we don't see a warm-up, and from the fact that everyone is pulling up injured all the time, and there's so many hamstrings going, clearly they didn't seem to do much of one. But they mentioned Serge Blanco's warm-up. Yes! It's an imaginary ball! <laughs> <laughs> why doesn't this happen? This is obviously why he pulled his hamstring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With a real ball. I'm so but, glad we all thought this, because yeah. like... As soon as we said, like, oh, yeah, he's been practising his kicking with an imaginary ball. It's like, well, what is... what? Firstly, what is the point in that? But, like, they said that he was passing it, he was kicking it, he was running with it. I, like, I genuinely went back to make sure I hadn't just sort of hallucinated. Mm. <laughs> this was before I realised the general vibe of the <laughs> The whole thing was hallucinated, yes. Like, the whole thing was a fever dream, yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, of all the balls to practise with in an imaginary fashion, I just feel like a rugby ball is maybe the worst one. (laughs) (laughs) Because the movement is just so much less predictable. It really doesn't seem like this is... Yeah, especially for a fullback. Like, you're used to a ball bouncing all over the place, aren't you? They mentioned he practised diving on it. So maybe this (laughs) is why no rugby player in, like, 1987 can catch a high ball, and it's because Mm. they only ever practice with imaginary ones. Yeah, yeah. Maybe that was it, to make yourself feel better. Like, in training, they're all brilliant, right? They're all just, like, (laughs) Williams, Liam Williams at his peak, just, like, nailing every catch. And then in reality, they're like, oh, weird, the ball did something that I wasn't expecting from my imaginary practice. (laughs) He practiced calling the mark with his imaginary ball. (laughs) Do you think this is the next innovation Gilbert are bringing in? They're mm. going to start selling imaginary balls. The invisible balls. <laughs> the thing is, though, Serge Blanco at this stage is like one of the most well-known players on the planet. Surely mm. he could have gone up to one of the kids in the crowd and gone, hi, can I borrow your ball for a little bit? Why doesn't he have a ball to borrow? What the fuck yeah. is going on that he has? Like, it's surely a choice. Mm. It must be. Rugby balls available to real, actual, physical manifestations of a rugby ball must have been available to well, him. And like, he went out by himself as well, which makes me, I mean, no wonder that no one was playing with him at this stage. Like, I'm sorry to say it, but the, the, the thing that, as soon as they said that, I thought like, right, he's going to get injured, isn't he? And lo and behold, five minutes later, he goes off injured. Also, I've got to say a little callback. Of all, it's it's it, in many ways it's a shame that Clive Woodward no longer coaches professional rugby because I think of all the coaches you could sell an invisible rugby ball. Very <laughs> true. <laughs> yes, Clive, we've got some marginal gains for you. It turns <laughs> out if you practice with only your imagination, <laughs> you get seventy-five percent better at 
imaginarily catching. <laughs> it's all about envisioning what's going to happen, you know, envisioning yeah. how you want the ball to land, how you want it to fly when you kick creating it. Creating a picture for yourself of the ball landing perfectly in your hands. And look, you if you could achieve it, if you can achieve it in your mind, uh, after going to the mind gym, the mid gym for the mind, if you can yep. achieve it in your mind with this imaginary ball, you can definitely do it with a real I mean, ball. this is more effective than changing your shirt at half-time. Definitely. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, what is not more effective? So than they should change their shirts. <laughs> they should change their shirts from those skin-tight ones to baggy 1987. From the ones to the baggy yeah. cotton ones, yes. My Wales jersey is a baggy, baggy cotton one. And nice. It's great. And I've got one of the new ones and, you know, it looks shit. I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I never wear it. The only time I've worn it is when I put the other one in the wash and forgot to dry it in time. And even then, I honestly consider just putting it on damp. I resent the new one so much. I hope you're listening, Clive. <laughs> he's not. Um, no, he's blocked me. <laughs> this is this is not. Clive Wood was doing nothing that involves rugby in 2022. In fact, no, this I mean, is from. This is like you know, prep. Yeah, this is his era, isn't it? You know, this is. Maybe yes. when we come to the you know, 2003 World Cup, he's going to say he's, he's going to listen to every single episode when we do 2003. <laughs> like, oh, just, finally, someone's talking about modern rugby. Really long emails <laughs> about all the things you got wrong. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, I think you will find that changing the shirts at half time got us a five percent boost in performance. So, right, I want to mention Not something. those imaginary just... balls. <laughs> <laughs> On the imaginary balls point, right? Serge Blanco, about a year after this, starts his own brand of sportswear and sports paraphernalia, including selling rugby balls. Do you think this just drove him over the edge and he needed real balls, so he started a business? <laughs> I've had enough of this Emperor's New Clothes bullshit. I'm going to make real clothes. <laughs> real money. Is that it? Do you think all the French players were telling him, oh, you look great, it's such a good ball, it's bouncing exactly as you want it? <laughs> and he was just believing search. it. really great. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he was hallucinating. Serge <laughs> Blanco, it turns <laughs> out. Serge <laughs> Blanco does LSD before kickoff. <laughs> he's not Papette. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Not... Yeah. Pugel Bear. Yeah. Uh, he... Serge Blanco, it turns out, also owns free hotels. This doesn't sound very amateur. Or maybe no. it's the most amateur thing. I think that's it. It was just like... Rugby players was... who own three hotels. Maybe that's about, like, the most amateur vibe imaginable. But that's how he affords to play. People are practising with imaginary kit. People are angry with the WRU for owning one. So imagine how furious <laughs> there must be a Serge Blanco. Look, it's a very great pathway for hey. investment. <laughs> imagine imagine how angry Welsh Rugby Twitter would be with Mr Hilton. <laughs> Imagine oh. how angry Welsh rugby Twitter would be if they actually had to watch this game. <laughs> <laughs> I- oh, thing, other things I thought were charming, and actually hmm. I would say there's very little we should bring back from this period, yes. but I do want to make a case for the number nine throwing the ball in. Mm. Mm. I think that's yeah. great. I, I said this on the last episode. With you the did, script. didn't you? Yeah. I think it actually makes perfect sense. Like, your least useful player, get them to do something with the ball. Fantastic. Yes, Will, that was a jibe. <laughs> no arguments like, from me. Genuinely hilarious. And then the like, commentators got really excited because they just switched to throwing overarm instead of underarm. Yes. <laughs> so this is apparently the first time he's tried this technique of throwing overarm, yeah. which is interesting, in the World Cup. 
Yeah, I mean, it's a bold place to start it, especially because I think they also said that, like, the previous game France played, they drew. They had, like, some complicated yes. analysis where, like, With they claimed... Scotland, Scotland, yes. Yeah, yeah. they were like, it basically counts as a win. And I was like, how? If it's a draw, how does it basically count as a win? Surely it only counts <laughs> as a draw. So, like, if I were the French nine... Having drawn my opening game, I would not be like, let's innovate with a new technique in this next game. <laughs> but then maybe he also realised that throwing the ball in was fucking pointless and the whole yeah. concept of a lineup was irrelevant. Yeah. Why were they only doing moles in the middle of the field a really long time after the ball had been thrown out? But why were yeah. they never... It didn't make sense. It, it, it was like, is this where Razi Erasmus got the idea? Like, at a certain point, you just sort of get bored of what's happening. And then you do, like, a sort of mall for a while. <laughs> Was he just studying the Romanian 1987 team? <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a Razzie thing to do. I found it. <laughs> I love the idea that... I mean, so the French captain is the hooker, Philippe Dinatraz. First time he's captained him in five years, apparently. He used to be the captain, had it taken off him and had given him the captaincy back in a very non-quite French way. They went back on a revolution. I like the thought that when he was given the captaincy, he just told Scroff, no, you're thrown in. I hate doing it. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing it now. I mean, this yeah. is what I was curious, because obviously for like a long time in the in the like really, really early days, the winger mm. threw it in. Yeah. Mm. So I was wondering, like, at what point actually do the hookers start to throw it in regularly? And at what point do they stop? Because, you know, as I say, I'm really pro bringing it back. Mm. Yeah. I think the first question, by this point, is mostly the, it's like 95% hookers doing it. Okay, so this is France being fully batshit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, like there's an interesting point, though, when, when the Romanian hooker goes off injured and the first line-out they set, like... All eight forwards and the scrum half all stand in the lineup expecting somebody else to throw it in until the referee's just there, like, lads, you need somebody to throw it in. And then, like, two of them rush to the sideline, like, oh, I'll do it. No, I'll do it. I'll do it. My favorite thing about that the Romanian hooker goes off injured. And, I mean, uh, Vasil Iloka, to give him his name, and he's, he's down injured for quite a while. Two people start warming up on the touchline. And the commentator says, after he goes off, and the referee says, no, you've got to go off, and they play on without someone coming on for him. The referee says, obviously, the final decision isn't going to be made just yet on who's going to replace him. So he's already obviously. gone off. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he's a front row, so sure there's only one or two on the bench who can. <laughs> I did think, actually, in the end, I've just checked, there weren't as many substitutions in this game as I thought. Mm, but it felt no. like watching it that there were more than I would have expected for a time when like you only make emergency subs I think maybe there was just quite a lot of violence yes and then that's, like, that's oh, definitely a part of it like, yeah. there's, the, the, I think the punch count was at two in this game was it uh, I yeah, couldn't, I, I couldn't. there's clearly also like at one point <laughs> one point the commentator is talking about you've got to watch for flying boots in France yes and there's another point, actually. Oh my god, I cannot, I cannot forget to mention this. There's a bit where they say a scrap has broken out, and one of the commentators says a bit of "How's your father going on there?" Hmm. And I understand this term to mean something very different than what's <laughs> happening on the page. Uh, I googled it. And I'm not alone. Okay. 
happening. I don't think the commentator is meant to say some of the players are having sex, (laughs) (laughs) which is definitely what that means. And then they follow it up by going, oh, yeah, boots flying all over the place. (laughs) (laughs) I sort of lost it at that point. That was when I just fell apart. (laughs) Boots being knocked. I mean, yeah, I... Well, um, look, a lot happens at the bottom of those rucks. We don't know for certain. <laughs> look, get James Haskell to make loads of puns on the word ruck. That'd be funny. That'd be really funny. It's a really good one. What about yeah. the word flanker? I bet do something. I feel like, like that. Oh, that's a good one. Anybody who listens to this episode and, you know, feels compelled to watch one of the greatest games of all time hmm. should just be forewarned about the level of commentary and uh, this incident in particular, which just completely sent me out of my mind for a solid 10 minutes, I think. <laughs> it's a lot like when you watch a kid's movie back that you loved as a kid, you know, as a child, and then you notice that all the acting is terrible. Like, obviously, I saw this so many times when I was a child. I just watched it over and over on a loop. Like, I remember one day when I was ill, and I watched it about seven times whilst eating beans on toast. And I never noticed how bad the commentary was until watching it back as an adult now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's the old Power Rangers effect, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> also, right, how many of the players are described by the commentators as the great man? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Also, there's a point where they're like, France have been brilliant so far. And I'm like, have they? (laughs) Like, what the fuck are you? What is this what passes as brilliant? There's a point where France tried to do a dummy scissors pop and knock it on. And he says, it looks like France are trying to play an innovative game. (laughs) And then they do the same thing again and also (laughs) fuck it up. And it just becomes like a complete shambles which at least the commentators acknowledge and he somehow manages to score a try anyway because it's created by fucking i think this is what rob howley meant by rugby chaos yes <laughs> well like you just create such a level of confusion in the opposition defense that you manage to score anyway because no, like, nobody has any fucking idea what's it's, going on anymore. it's the old adage that the definition of insanity is keep trying the same thing that's not working <laughs> over and over again until eventually it does work because romania think well there's no way they can possibly try this move again I mean, I think the crucial difference, obviously, is that they've got the win with them this time. So you've got, to, true. you've got to keep trying the same thing again and again until the wind is on your side. Yes. Stops being insane. So, yeah, to, to talk through kind of like the narrative of the game is that mm. the, it's 12 all at half time. Yeah. Because yeah. Romania, well, France win the toss and opt to play into the wind in the first half, which is an interesting tactic, but it pays off for them in the end, I suppose. Because uh, they just had to survive the first half, as the commentators said it. So Romania scored four penalties bizzle, this time. Bizzle, bizzle. <laughs> yes. Aye, aye. And France scored two tries through their two centres. So Philippe Seller and Denis Charvet. They each score tries. Charvet's is quite interesting. It, 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 well, not Charvet's is nice. Charvet's it's, is it's very nice. nice. He, he picked a nice Charvet's line. So where he does the, that, like. There's like a nice little cutout pass and then a weaving sort of arcing run. And you're like, oh, that's really cool. Highlights real stuff. And then you realise that there's no fucking defence anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Spot on. Like, that's spot the on. cutout pass is wildly unnecessary. And so is the weaving arcing run. You could just run any direction you wanted to. Yeah, yeah. And like he scores the same try twice in this game yeah. as well. He yeah, does, the he second does the time I was twice. like, oh, the funny weavy thing is back. Still pointless. <laughs> <laughs> Still no defence. I genuinely, I know you joked before that like you two could play in one of these games mm. and like do a job. I've never played rugby in my life. And I swear to God, if I played in this Romanian team, I would be remembered as like one of the greatest defenders of all. 
like the you common should... sense to stand slightly wider <laughs> and then tackle. Like yeah. just actually trying to tackle. I had a thought about this, Rihanna, because we've had a conversation before because I once asked you, you know, if you played played rugby before, blah, 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 and you said, no, but I imagine if I did, I would be a horrific cheating open side flanker. It's what you said, right? Um, I think a blind side is what I want to A blind side, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Because I, I looked at Alan Carminati, who played number seven for France, and literally all he did all day was get penalised and I have him written down on my shortlist for man of the match because I think he played well, um, <laughs> even though he got penalised constantly. I looked at him and there was a point where I thought, hang on, if if Rhiannon played rugby, that is exactly the player she would be. Yes, <laughs> shameless, shameless. I mean, I'd present myself as like, you know, an important nitty gritty, like integral cover of the team. But just really sickly like, shithouse. Yeah, massive shithouse. I would stop short at hitting players in the face with my... Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Like, Romanian number seven. But yeah. like, that is probably exactly the point where I would stop short. Yeah. <laughs> Georgie Dimitri, the Romanian number seven, who is... I mean, you talk about shit houses. Um, he is... Because whenever they cut to a close-up of him, he's tall, but he's fairly skinny for an international seven. But he's just such a shit, you had no choice but to play him in the back row. <laughs> I mean, the, the moment, I mean, the, the standout moment is Patrice Lequid, the French winger. Lequid? 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 Patrice. Um, <laughs> so France have run with quite a nice move off the scrum. Big old Patrice, Lequid, uh, has it on the wing. He steps two people, steps inside, beats the first man covering. And the second man covering is Dumitru, the seven, who, yep, swings our elbow straight into his face. He basically karate chops him in the neck. It's like a sort of clothesline move, except higher and with a clenched fist. Yeah. It's like he saw a sort of clothesline move and was like, "Mm, you're not executing that right, lads. (laughs) (laughs) I've got this crafty innovation (laughs) that I'm going to bring into the game. But it doesn't ground our boy Patrice. Like he's still going, but he just stops and looks at him in anger, like he wants to fight. Before the whistle's gone as well. (laughs) Well, play is still going on. He just stops instead of trying to. Like he he could have scored. He could have scored. He probably would have scored if he kept going. Instead, he squared up to him with the ball still tucked in his hand. He does actually win the penalty. In fairness, (laughs) like this is given as a high tackle, which I mean, it's not as given as a scrum to Romania. No. Yeah, he yeah, said yeah. forward pass. Fuck. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, it would have been a penalty, but they went back. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this game was so mad. <laughs> I did actually write down, did Romanian 7 just punch France 14 in the head? And then I was I like, like I'm going to go back. He did do that. I've, I I've, I've oh. done this twice now. <laughs> also, at the end of the game, when France are 50 points up, he sees Philippe Seller gets the ball and just goes, I'm going to do exactly the same thing. And he just decks him. <laughs> I mean, you know, we got away with it the first time, I guess. There is yeah. also a bit where the commentators are like, oh, the referees aren't letting anyone get away with any nonsense in this World Cup. Like... They're taking all this stuff really seriously. They're telling the players any nonsense and you're off. And I was like, fucking are they? What are we calling nonsense here? Like, There's dozens were... of punches have been flown. Like, punches to not, the face. I could not compile the amount of nonsense I have seen so far. Like, nobody has been sent off. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. 
Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I mean, so, the, as I said, the first half ends 12 all. Yeah. And I thought we think... were quite good for that as well. Yeah. Especially yeah. in the second half when you do realise the impact of the wind. <laughs> and to say they don't really defend mm. in any like understandable way. Because like not even in thinking about it in a modern way. Because obviously yeah, yeah, yeah. I expected the defence generally to be mm. atrocious. But like I mean, at no point could you not have yelled numbers correctly. There was like there was never any point where you couldn't have just thrown like a fucking massive looping miss pass out wide. Yeah, and they often opted not to make tackles and stuff. I mean, I I almost can't remember a tackle. (laughs) It's not so much that they opted not to as they like never opted into tackles. Whenever anyone made a tackle, it became a more. Like yeah. other players just yeah, flew yeah. in and, you know. So it wasn't so much a tackle as like a transition to a weird mid pitch mall. Malala. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to see the tackle stats for this game, actually. Like, I would love mm. some stats nerd to go back and compile the four tackles maybe that existed, all the missed tackles, and then the like mall transition moments. <laughs> <laughs> because I think this could be like a record of just not tackling. I mean the other the other thing though that I think is a record it's not a record, but Romania are really clinical in, in the French half in that first half. Yeah. Like they yeah. get into the French twenty-two five times. Once because uh, they so they have this thing that I kinda love. Uh Vasil David, the thirteen, kicks all goals on the left on the right side of the pitch. And Bazuz, go Bazuz, go Bazuz, go I kicks the goals on the left side of the pitch. And um. thank God. <laughs> Four out of their five on the left side. Because <laughs> Bezos goes shanks. There is yeah. also a moment, to be fair, right? Like, for all the way shit talk in the Romanian defence here, but uh, as soon as France score their first try, mm. Romania almost immediately score one back. Yeah. Like, Let's talk about this non-try, because there's a lot to unpack here. I mean, so the... <laughs> the, I was the whole thing is going... French, but The whole mm. thing is horrible. And then Babesier, the nine for France, takes a quick tap. Nothing is on. Then out of nowhere, Denis Chavez, the 12, hits a beautiful line, does a swervy thing, scores a try that looks very pleasing. As you say, Rihanna, and you then look at it from another angle and you're like, okay. I mean, it's a bit like with the practicing with an imaginary ball. It's like they're just playing against an imaginary defence. Like, of course. Yeah. It's yeah, very true. <laughs> very true. What's the most aesthetically delightful line I could run? And you I can't, because there's no one here. <laughs> 
You mentioned Babesier tapping penalties. In the first half in particular, and I guess a bit in the second half, uh, it might be because of the wind, they tap literally every single penalty, I think, uh, bar maybe one or two. But usually he waits for the Romanians to get back 10, which is yeah. a real rugby values approach to playing scrum half. But Bezier has a great second half, but an absolutely atrocious first half. Right? What the fuck what? was he doing in the first half? Three years? times he walks into touch voluntarily. Yes. I think like, not three times. He also, he does so many like outrageous dummy passes. Like at least twice, I wrote down yes. that French nine is taking the piss now. Yeah, and then at the end, he has a much better second half until like the last play of the game, yeah. where he does like a really cool little sneaky. There are actually defenders, and I've avoided them, and then just like falls over his own feet and throws the ball like four meters forward and lands on his face, and the game's over. I was like, I mean, it's not like you needed the score or anything, mate, but like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> like, Possibly one of the best bits of actual skill in the game, like genuinely evading two or three defenders. And then like, that's what I would do if you gave me the ball. <laughs> like, what? And then so, yeah, the ref blew the whistle, which was great relief to me. So th- this Romanian non-try. Yes. So yes. Um, wow. Romania randomly just kicked the ball somewhere in the direction of the French 22. France have... Not one, not two, but three players primed to catch this ball. Mm. And for some reason, all three of them just go, nah. Maybe because it's real and they were confused. (laughs) (laughs) They're catching their own imaginary ball. They're catching their own imaginary ball. All three of them take that successfully, though. So really, (laughs) three out of four. Basically, Romania had this good planned move where they would boot four balls into the French backfield. Three of them imaginary, one of them real. They had to catch the one that is real because, as as we alluded to earlier, you can't really call a mark with an imaginary ball very well. Um, so they had to find the real ball. They failed to do so. Uh, they let the ball bounce, uh, literally like on their own line. And Romania snaffle it. And uh, Parashkiev, the scrum half, then gets the ball and goes, right, I'm an inch out from the, the try line. What can I do here? other than throw a forward pass to David, and literally he catches the ball over the line. The most I... forward pass as well. Yes. <laughs> it so, was like, he thought it was suddenly an American football. Like, the ref yeah, clearly wanted from... to give it. Right. I watched it from the other angle, and it leaves his hands backwards, and I think the wind blows it forwards. Oh. Uh, the wind. We're back to the wind. We're back <laughs> to the wind. The great leveller. Badly, the commentators did not highlight this levelling potential <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've got to say, actually, once you sort of like really commit to the fever dream stage of analysing this game, mm. there was there were two moments. One where I was like, hmm, fans look a bit like whales when they're bad here. <laughs> Interesting. Don't think that says good things about whales <laughs> <laughs> or, or France. Uh, but there were moments with Romania where you're like, they're really like into sort of kick passes. Mm. Or what I think were attempted kick passes. Oh, yeah. yeah. Everything's like, relative. very into cross-field kicking. I was like, there's a weird, dreadful, but sort of modernity, actually, to some of what Romania were trying to do. But, like, pass it twice, or we're sort of too far back now, so I'll just kick it across the field. I was like, if I were coaching, you know, a kid's team, I'd be like, do this. <laughs> but also go ahead of with an imaginary ball and run really fast. <laughs> I think oh. the problem was they very rarely ran fast enough. To get to any of the balls that they kicked, so <laughs> a flaw in, in the plan for sure. 
you say Bezuscu, uh, you know, doing those kick passes massively ahead of his time. One of the all-time great players, of course. This was his second cap. He had played one game in 1985, two years prior, against West Germany, then got recalled in order to play France in the World Cup. His second game for Romania. <laughs> he never played for Romania again after this. What a shock. Harsh. <laughs> Very harsh. But, right, when Googling him, when Googling my favourite player of all time and Kate Bush's second favourite player of all time, <laughs> I came across an article from 2020, so just two years ago, at the start of March, so, you know, pretty much exactly two years ago, titled, well, it's in Romanian, but translated to, so you should know it, William. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'll, <laughs> I'll help you translate this. Um, but it translates to, happy birthday and good luck. Former all-time great rugby player, Romanian Berzuska Berzuska, changed the prefix. He has reached the age of 60. So I am slightly baffled by the phrase changed his prefix. And I started to wonder, because he then go on to say, former all-time great rugby player. He has two caps. Yeah, I'm confused about a lot of things. One in a game against West Germany and the other in... But, you know, a fifty-five-twelve loss. From two cap wonder to <laughs> yeah, all-time great. great. Maybe you like formally changed his name, so now he has to be referred to as all-time great. The artist formerly known as Romeo Bazuska. <laughs> it also <laughs> mentions though, right? He changes pronouns, and I wondered whether they were saying we're looking at a trans fly half for Romania. But they refer to him as him the whole way. And there's a photo of him with his grandson and still very much presenting as a man. So I don't think so. I wonder... It must be a mistranslation. It's like one of those Google Translate problems. I wonder if it's... uh, But I wonder if it's like at the age of 60. (laughs) (laughs) You know how at 18 you go in in English from Miss to Ms or, you know, Master to Miss, you know. I wonder if there's like an equivalent if you become a senior in Romanian at 60. Yeah, maybe. That's what I wonder if it might like, be. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Why they're making a big deal out of it. Yeah. Um, Sounds like a great article anyway. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought it up. I'm going to read it afterwards. Practice, <laughs> practice my Romanian. So, help. But this was a, 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 a headline in during lockdown in a major Romanian paper that a player with two caps has turned 60. Uh, his son is currently coach of the Romanian under-17s team. Oh, okay, that's cool. Um, there is a quote then at the bottom of the article. So some of the message, the messages he received include things such as, Happy birthday, Romicio Bezusko, my colleague and friend. Six is a beautiful age. Let's live in friendship for many years. Oh, Happy you nix that for my next birthday card. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Happy birthday and health, Romica. Long and prosperous heart life, Roma. All of them have called him a different first name. Happy yeah, birthday, confusing. dear friend. Cheers, and let's go on well with this test that haunts the world. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I won't steal that one. Isn't, isn't the test that haunts the world a Kate Bush song? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's this bloody game. It's oh, France versus Romania. This is the test that haunts the world. <laughs> France versus Romania. Maybe they're just still living with the after effects of it, and they weren't talking about the pandemic at all. <laughs> Still haunts them. The final happy birthday message to him just says, Happy birthday on the rugby field. <laughs> Anywhere else, though, 
No, 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 no. no. Like, mediocre birthday to you, mate. (laughs) But hey, Romania, Bezos. Wait a second. What? So his birthday on Wikipedia is listed as July 1st. His birthday on Scrum.com is listed as July 1st. This article was published on March 19th. It wasn't his so, birthday. So there's two there's two possibilities of what's happened here. Okay. Hmm. In fact, I guess there's three. The first one is that somebody's somebody screwed up. Somebody's got the wrong birthday, right? Hmm. The second one is that they prepared this ready for four months time and just published it early. The other one is that they published it very, very late, that they got all of these messages together and they only just found his friends within like six months. I think it's the third one because March 19th is basically when everybody in Europe that wasn't locked down became locked down. Yes. So I think it's the third one and they're like, we've got to publish something that, you know, like day three of lockdown, this is already um, We've got to publish something like some good news. So they went, you know, no. what's happened in the last 365 days? Oh, no. yeah, this two-cap wonder had a birthday, unlike no. everyone so, else. So, Romeo Bezuska, 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 II is currently 57. What? So they just lied? They just oh, that was lied. two years ago. They added five years to his age. Are we still in a fever dream? <laughs> is any of this I real? I can't figure out what's going on. So, so is there a different room? Wait, no, because it's on the rugby year. field. Are you on sure the rugby you're... field? Is it a former international, 60 years old? There's not another Romeo Bazuska. I thought there was only one Romeo Bazuska. Says Bezuski. he played against France for, in the 1987 Rugby World it Cup. It does, yeah. In this article. Which, which, hey, looking at the team sheets right now, he is the only one with that name. He's the only one. So, so, hold on. Talk about fake news, right? <laughs> Generally, it's something that there'd be some sort of political or financial gain for someone involved in, you know. But what? Why would you make up? A, what is the conspiracy behind making up a story Option about four. a former two cap Romanian fly half being what if five years older than he is? He changed his date of birth on the Romania on like the international rugby like files That's to get his himself prefix. sort more selectable. That's his prefix. He changes prefix being his date of birth. Hey, it's possible. Is it? I don't know. I feel I like know. I had more idea of what was going on when we were talking about the hoops. It's <laughs> 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 just, just absolutely baffled at all of the potential explanations, all of which are absolutely bonkers. So basically, this guy has two birthdays. That's what we're landing on. No, this guy was born twice. Just- a made-up article about him turning 60 when he didn't. that there is a second guy with this name who just, like, didn't play rugby for Romania but did turn 60 and they've, like, got and him confused. confused it's possible. Like, in turn on the news desk. They say but... happy birthday on the rugby field. Oh, yeah. Maybe it's just really, really... They published it, like, five years early. <laughs> this maybe, is... they, maybe they found out that we were doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got to say, we have to do a special on his actual 60th birthday. Of course. Yeah, I think that's quite important now. We've got to yeah. celebrate <laughs> yeah. this plague that haunts humanity. This <laughs> test. Cheers and let's go on well with this test that haunts the world. Do you think they just wanted some good news so they desperately reached for someone who yeah, was 60 to like 60? some intern on the second day of the job, like, how the fuck have I ended up here when all the news but- is back that everything is terrible? And then they've, like, <laughs> wikipedia something that, you know, someone made up 
and it's all just got wildly out of hand. And they've got like, maybe they've got like a Google alert now set up in case anybody ever finds out their mistake. Hold on, there's a photo of him. God goes out, they're going to wake up in a sweat. <laughs> Finally, their mistake has been caught. <laughs> So there's three photos attached to this article, right? Okay. Two of them are him with like kids' rugby teams, him stood on the sideline with his arms folded as a coach, clearly coaching youth rugby, right? In Romania. The other one is him holding what looks to be, you know, who I imagine is his, his granddaughter, probably like a three or four year old little girl, in front of a birthday cake with candles, right? The candles in the shape of the number six and O. Oh, 60. It's a 60th birthday cake. So he's approved this. He's in so that there's photo. A photo. Unless it's a photo of a different rugby coach. So three photos of them. Maybe you just you know like when when kids are like, I'm nine and they're three. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So maybe he was just like, I'm 60 now. What are you gonna do? It's just like yeah. Or or maybe he's just too polite to call them out on the mistake. Wait, but, hold on, but the rugby world cup page lists him as being 61. What? <laughs> Which would make him? He must have lied. He must have lied to somebody about his age at some point. Why are there three different? So Eurosport have him as fifty-seven. The Rugby World Cup have him as sixty-one. It's rugby have him as fifty-seven. The content more places have him as fifty-seven than sixty or sixty-one. But he celebrated his sixtieth birthday five years early in twenty twenty. I do want to throw out there that I don't think record keeping in 1987 for rugby was like. That's a valid point. (laughs) They talk about this at the end of the game, don't they? Um, They bring up the fact that all the record books they have access to in New Zealand are only covering teams that are members of the International Rugby Board, which at the time was, there was only eight of them. One of them was South Africa, who weren't invited as well, and played Test years. So they didn't include Romania in it. Romania, they mentioned, had beat Bulgaria 100-0 a few years before this World Cup, which was so, the Bulgarians took so badly, the Bulgarian Rugby Union disbanded. (laughs) Bulgaria just ceased to exist from there on out. There's a lot of points in the first half. Where Sorry, Keith I Quinn... just want to follow up my previous point. Uh, Bulgaria didn't play again until 1998 in World Cup qualifying. Wow. The next time they played, they disbanded for about 15 years. They didn't play a game because they were so wow. beaten down by losing to <laughs> just Romania. Wow, that's bad. So go back Sorry, to the point yes. I was to make. Several times in commentary, Keith Quinn refers to the French back row as the three giraffes. And there's one point... There's one point... Where he says, whole quote. I'm just trying to figure out what the plural of giraffe is. And follows up with, we've got a gaggle of geese and a pride of lions, but I don't know what giraffes would be. And the other guy is obviously like, what is this shit chat, mate? <laughs> and he keeps going like, hmm, I just really don't know what the plural of giraffes is. <laughs> Although I'm glad you contextualised that because I think I was like, sort of dozing out and then I just heard what is the plural of giraffes and I was like all the commentators are at it again he loved this whole giraffe analogy that he kept going for and like it's pretty obvious like dude's quite tall you know that makes sense the giraffe thing tall thin guys there's yeah but there's a point where he then goes on one about his own analogy saying oh it's a really good analogy for these guys isn't it giraffe thing I just love it it's like mate you made it up Stop trying to make giraffes happen, Keith. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to happen. 
<laughs> there is also a bit just before the giraffes thing gets really out of hand where they're talking about the ref being really good. Mm. And they say something like, oh, Australian referees, I think for a long time were known the world over for being like fucking dreadful, but now they're actually quite good. Oh, yeah, yeah. But instead of focusing on like the fact that they've got better and are now like some of the best in the world, it just sort of goes back to bitching about them. And I was like, is this like a weird sort of presaging of the Steve Walsh Australia New Zealand controversy? <laughs> Like, there's just always been at it. Like, and the the tone that he says, I think they're now considered to be like some of the best in the world is like so begrudging. <laughs> like, it really hurts his soul to say it, but he sort of feels like yeah. it's his duty to highlight this fact <laughs> for the audience because it is the world goal. <laughs> the commentator at one point as well also says of the French lock Francois Hague. He says he's been to New Zealand before and he's not always been Mr. Clean and leaves it at that. (laughs) I think that's not long after he says somebody went to France, a New Zealand player went to France and came back and told everyone that, like, they'll kick your eyes out. (laughs) (laughs) So I think you might have been alluding to his previous anecdote. (laughs) No, I choose to believe that means he doesn't put bleach down the toilets or... (laughs) You know, maybe he doesn't. Yeah, doesn't. Yeah, doesn't, doesn't take COVID precautions in this place. Doesn't wash his jersey after a match. Maybe doesn't wash his jersey. Like, yeah. Yeah. again when it's sweaty and muddy. Yeah, uh, has white boots, self. which are notably not white anymore. Yeah, because mm. they're covered in blood of the eyes of the opponents. <laughs> 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 they do say, "Watch out for the flying boots in France." At one point, <laughs> very <laughs> like, true. Just in such a casual way that I like put a, a little like stick picture of a shrugging man next to the quote because like <laughs> didn't really seem to be any alarm about this. Just like a, oh, you know, a bit like now we would be like, oh, you know, you you play in the proto der, you're gonna lose your eyes. Ha ha ha. <laughs> the other point that this could make is obviously there is an American cleaning brand called Mr. Clean. Does this mean he didn't used to be him, but he has metamorphosed into Mr. Clean somewhere over the last few years? Went from being a giraffe. Or is his arch enemy? (laughs) He hasn't always been Mr. Clean. He's the antithesis of Mr. Clean. He's Mr. Clean's, like, evil nemesis. He's the the antagonist in the Mr. Clean cinematic universe. The Mr. Clean franchise. Yeah. One day, Mr. Clean will bring down his two greatest enemies, Lime Scale and former France second row Francois Hockey. <laughs> we should definitely get Mr. Clean on as a as a guest on this podcast someday. I think actually he's joining the Zoom call. I saw him. Oh, is he? Oh, yeah, 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 he is. Yeah, yeah. He is, he is. Do you yeah. want to let him in? All right, hold on, just a second. Is he in the back room with all the lawyers? Yeah, 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 yeah. There he yeah, is. Yeah. Okay, he's there he is. He's oh, he's in the call now. He's in the call. Yeah, Hello, yeah. Mr. Clean. Nice of you to join us. Hello. Looking, looking very uh, sparkling uh, clean there. Thank, mm. thank you, thank you. Yeah, what's your skincare routine, Mr. Clean? It looks great. Uh, I keep it clean. <laughs> hey, that's great <laughs> advice. Um, before, so before you, you came on onto this podcast, is there, have you been up to uh, much today? Eat? No. Okay, okay. Just staying clean in that. Hey, if you don't do anything, nothing I, gets dirty, right? I like yeah. to stay clean. Yeah, that's fair. So, what do you think? We're talking about France against Romania from the 1987 rugby. Oh, I used to watch the game all the time as a child. (laughs) Me too. Have you seen the hoops, Mr. Clean? I love the hoops. Uh, Who's your favourite hoop? My favourite hoop is uh, Grover. 
I grove groove the hoop, the green hoop. Uh, I like the way his hair comes down over his eyes. I like the way he cannot see fully what he's doing. Uh, he is a big character in the, the hoops. Clearly, he's good shampoo, right? Good shampoo. He keeps himself yeah. not as clean as the motorist. The motorist keeps himself <laughs> cleanest. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 a fair um, a fair assessment. Yeah. Um, so uh, in this game, I'm sorry if this is a sore subject for you, Mister Clean, but Francis Ajay plays mm. in this game for France, and uh, he isn't Mister Clean. He's very much I, not you. I do not know who this man is. Um, the fact that the Mister Clean cave is underneath Francois Hogue's mansion, nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with. I did not. I do not know who this man is. Oh, uh, which is he quite a dirty man? Uh, I could not, I could not comment. I don't know who this man is. <laughs> okay, Rhiannon, you got any questions for Mister Clean? No, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Mister Clean, for coming to join us. You can oh, go, um, Mr. Clean. <laughs> you can go sit uh, with the lawyers and pee money and all the rest of the gang uh, in that thank room. You. Carly Ray. Thank you. And Carly Ray, yeah, yeah I'm Carly Ray. Ray. Uh, uh, Sorry, yeah, I'm back. I just had to pop the toilet. Yeah, um, yeah. Did you wash your hands? Style. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I want to be in the spirit of Mr. Clean. Have I missed anything? Uh, n- not really. No, no. okay. Oh, no, no, don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> We're just, it's, it's not like this is getting published or anything. We're just, you know, never speak of this again. Uh, except we will. And probably speak to him again. So, should we talk about rugby? Yeah, I mean, uh, Hooker takes a 22 restart. Second half. That's a really good. The second half, also, the end of the first half, I just want to say more things that could be brought back from 1987 Mm -hmm. rugby. Scrums are really fucking fast. Yeah. And when the ref gets bored, he just sends the players off the pitch. (laughs) (laughs) The last act of the first half was a scrum, and then the ref's like, meh. This is a really shit scrum. All go to the changing rooms and think about what you've (laughs) done. This doesn't have scrum vibes to me. Everybody just fuck off now. (laughs) He also... I think maybe like he lost his whistle or something because he doesn't even seem able to communicate his mad <laughs> decision properly. <laughs> anyway, so uh, faster scrums and also the ref just getting bored of scrums and ending things. I'm pro this. I think we should yeah. bring that particularly back. Uh, the second half starts and it is in fact pretty obvious that all the shit chat about the wind has had a point. <laughs> yes. Because things quite rapidly change. Mark Andrea scores inside about 40 seconds of the, the half beginning, yeah. doesn't he? Oh, the wind is helping France immediately. Yeah. That's that's what I wrote. <laughs> really good kick from Guy Laporte, definitely helped by the like massive gusts of wind. <laughs> Wouldn't have would have been a very different kick in the first half. The replacement for Serge Blanco, Didier Cambello Bello, scores quite early on in the second half. And having. I noted that like He's clearly quite a good player, but has no idea how to play fullback because he's yeah. never had to because they've got Serge Bloody Blanco Serge playing Blanco. there. That yeah. guy is having the time of his life. Mm. You know, Especially when he's not going to worry about the wind. He is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He <laughs> is blowing his way. All the magic balls coming straight down his throat. And he doesn't have Bloody Serge yeah. Blanco in front of him. Don't tell that to Mr. Clean. Because um, he has been having... He must have been as French's second choice fullback behind the greatest fullback the world has ever seen up to yeah. this point. So, you know, possibly continuously. 
it's a pretty torrid time, isn't it? It's like being a French nine at the minute. It's very like Warren Gatland behind Sean Fitzpatrick. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Get yeah. used to a hard life. <laughs> Guy yeah. Bishop, you know, yeah. behind Gareth Edwards. <laughs> so he is having such a good time and he is over milking every touch he gets and trying to do literally everything all the time. Yeah. Is he the one? So there were two tries really, really early on at the start of the mm. second half, and I was making dinner at the time. I'll be honest, and I, like my attention was a little distracted. Mm. So the first one is the guy that scores on the on the corner flag. Yeah, and there's a bit so of real. like checking to see if it's a real try, and I was like, "That's fucking never a real try in the modern day." Like <laughs> half of his body is out in <laughs> I don't care if that's the rule that like he's touched the corner flag and it's fine. Like there's just no TMA in the world that would give it now. But like grand, there's also a very forward pass somewhere. Like whatever, I don't care. Then there was another one that I really did not see because that was the point where I was like, I had my head in the oven and I couldn't be put. (laughs) Hey, there were points watching this game I wanted to put my head in the oven. Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> I'll be honest, getting my baked fetter and like slow roasted onion and tomatoes out of the oven was definitely a better use of my time watching <laughs> that try. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of scoring from this point because it's 12 12 at half time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, and then within five minutes, it's 31 12. Yeah. And I missed both conversions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And oh, the try is yeah. only worth four points. Yes, like a that lot. too. There's a lot of try scoring. Yeah. There's my favourite try is the one that Embrani, the eight, scores. Yes. Because it's just the Romanian backfield are completely shambles. That that wind suddenly casts itself upon the ball. And the Romanians just suddenly just go, well, we, we weren't prepared for this. And honestly, they have no idea what to do with it. Again, I think they're going for the imaginary balls at that point, aren't they? And Embrani just happens... He just happens upon the ball over the try line and just kind of grounds it like, oh, wait, yeah, this is what you do. Yeah, like but, he's just, and, he's just well, suddenly sort of there and there's no one else no, there. Chauvet nicks it really nicely. Like, he's a very good turnover by him. Um, I've never seen somebody so surprised to score, though. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, I, I didn't well, mean for this to happen. A series of surprising events have all led to a situation where I am here over the yeah. try line. I mean, other than Lungu in the first half, which is a very similar try. <laughs> that and was disallowed. There's also quite a lot of, like, a kick, a, mm. a pointless, demented, shambolic chase, and then, like, some sort of... Not even argy bargy, more like loitering and leaning near each other, and then all of a sudden the balls got loose. Polite like, negotiation. Because <laughs> there was definitely a point where it was like, oh, if we just sort of, you couldn't even call it a mall. It's like if you, if you try to describe what a mall is to mm. a person who'd never watched rugby, and then they then tried to describe it to somebody else. <laughs> Like Chinese whispers. A lot of people are congregated in the same area and they're sort of moving in a direction towards the try line. And then voila, (laughs) a try has been scored. And this one happens, I mean, it's a bit later on, in the opposite direction where Romania form a shambolic mall and then the nine randomly lobs it over his head, which my mate Patrice then takes and runs in from there. And it's a a very fun one, isn't it? It's a very sad try to watch. Yeah. (laughs) It's interestingly like a sad trombone song (laughs) (laughs) towards towards the end of the second half. That comes as well. So they show Michel Toide, who we discussed in quite some detail in the previous Romania episode. He was a massive celebrity in Romania at the time. 
Yes, uh, and also a bit of a dickhead as far as we. Uh well, he checked. was. He's been married like six times. Yeah. Maybe um, in love. And yeah. All of yeah. No, so he was married to two separate, also very famous TV presenters in Romania. Right. And okay. one of them wrote a long article in the Romanian press about why he was emotionally manipulative to him. Okay. Because yes, yes, she'd been. This is retreading old ground, but yeah, she'd hit him, and that led to the divorce or something. But it'd come from like months of emotional. Okay, right, okay. We can call him probably a dickhead. Yeah. Fascinated yeah, yeah. to know how much Romanian press you two have been reading. <laughs> 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 Feels like oh, man. We covered before Christian Radicanu, number eight, defected from Romania shortly after this World Cup. Mm. Was was a they hell of a story that was. Played an away game against Scotland, and he just went up to a police officer the day after and went, "Can I stay?" Can I stay? <laughs> I've got to say, every time uh, he was involved in the action, I immediately thought of Emma Rajakarni. Mm, yeah. Really disappointed in myself. <laughs> <laughs> I like the obvious sort of like leap and just ignoring him in his own right. And it didn't stop though. Just, like, Not a common think, name, so. Do you think Eddie Jones thinks that Christian Radicanu should shut up with all the sponsorship and and focus solely on the defecting from Romania <laughs> to Scotland? <laughs> No, I think he probably thinks the other thing, he should have focused on his rugby instead of defecting. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably not an unfair take. (laughs) I don't know. He went on to play in Scotland for a very long time. Oh, yeah. He played for like... And he became like a real... Scottish vets or something like that, didn't he? Yeah. In the choice he made, he both got to play rugby and defect. Whereas in the choice that Jones would have had him made, he only got to do one of those things. (laughs) Yes. But yes, so he appears... On, oh, by the way, he's moved the right wing in this game. Having mm. been really involved in the previous game, he does nothing all game. Yeah. Uh, towards so, the end, the, yeah, well, you've got the commentator. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is right before that try that you just mentioned. Mm. And literally, as he finishes this line of commentary, that's when Lajuske picks the ball up and goes the length. So the commentator says, here, the, co- the camera has a shot of Marcel Toada just to let his mum know that he is safe and well. I rewound that four times. Because I was trying to work out the context, because that is not a commentator who seems to have ever made a joke. But the joke was he hasn't been involved, so here he is. Oh, I'm show him. I thought, like, I thought what? it was serious. I what did. What a joke to make. When Romania's in the situation that it was in, the yeah, political situation was in at the time. But personally, mm. would not have made that joke. <laughs> no, no, me neither. Do you think um, it's one of those jokes where maybe, like, you know, you have it in your head all the time of, like, don't say this, don't say this, don't say this? <laughs> like dead air and you can't help but say like the, the terrible thing <laughs> although they said so much other bullshit that no i'm not giving him that out he, he managed to fill the silence with nonsense <laughs> throughout this game sometimes he didn't sometimes he just leave it silent for 40 odd seconds at a time it was blissful <laughs> my, my favorite there's, there's a point oh, where he mentions my soul <laughs> there's a point where he mentions super boot which made me happy Mm. So Superboot's now been in my notes of the podcast for like six episodes running. So what did he say about Superboot? Um, he just he just compares Laporte's kicking style to the bloody wonderful Severo Corandua yeah, aka bloody Superboot. And he just says, oh yeah, well, he's quite a good kicker. So clearly um, uh, Laporte has taken inspiration from him to kick well, which is a good strategy, kicking um, well. Speaking of things that well, bloody Superboot could have done. Vasil Ion, who is at fullback for Romania, but the commentators yes. really want us to know is normally a scrum half. Yeah. They bring this up about four times. And every single time, to be clear, I heard Celine Dion is normally a scrum half. <laughs> <laughs> every time. Uh, at one point, he hits a really great 50-22 into yes. the wind. 
This, this is when I said far across the distance, the spaces between him and the touchline. Yes. <laughs> I went to, I went to Graham. Very good. Very good. <laughs> Doing that into the wind is genuinely maybe the most impressive piece of skill I've seen a, in this World Cup so it far. It is a fucking brilliant kick. And it's honestly, remarkable. It deserves, it deserves a lot better than a cheap shit. So we do not Even a good backfield wouldn't have dealt with that. No. It was no, an outstanding kick. I say into the wind like that. It's it's maybe the standout bit of skill in this World Cup so far. Especially to say, sorry, the, Grant Fox. The last thing he'd done in the game was a grubber kick that went out on the full, which I didn't <laughs> yes. know was possible. How is that? I mean, I think maybe the wind again. Yeah, <laughs> maybe, I guess so. But I, I suppose rubber kicks with an imaginary ball. It's it's a world record for the biggest margin between shit thing you do and good thing you do. Between uh, what is it? Between the idea and the execution. Yes. <laughs> All sports stars after the match, and they're like, you know, we had we had the right idea. We just we just didn't quite nail the execution. It's like that is a generous description of what you did. Like, <laughs> you could but deliver hey, out on the full. That's not like. He followed followed it up with like one of the best kicks you'll ever see. So worst and the best in the same game. Fair play to him. Fair play, Um, Celine Dion. Yeah, fair play, Celine Dion. Excellent Um, comeback. I look forward to the next one. I'm not like genuinely normally I'm not one of those people who like badly comically mishears a name. But every single time they said that guy's name, I was like, why is Celine Dion on the pitch? I could not unhear it. But look, this could, today could be the day that you finally get the chance to give Celine Dion Man of the Match later on. It, it could be today, it you know. Not not be. not for spoilers, but you know, just just one to think on. Could Much be. more to talk about. There's more tries, isn't there? There's that shitty Laporte try with the world's most accidentally good set move. Yeah, uh, yeah. There's the one with the forward pass, which was like. Maybe the wind again, but also no. I think that was just straight fucking forward. Uh, yeah. I think quite a few times I wrote more shambles, another try, and then just a score update. <laughs> yeah, that could, that could mean anything. I felt like most of it did not deserve analysis of like what they were attempting or actually executing. There's, there's a point where I have written down just oh, but Bezier's decided he's good now, has he? Oh yeah, I've also got France are doing the nice passes in front of no defense again. Now they're doing the weavy run thing, also no defence. <laughs> I think it's a pretty accurate description of a lot of second halves. Yeah, yeah. I, there I, was something actually that I noticed. It felt like there was quite a lot of blocking in this game. Both yeah. Like, they they referred block, to... Penalised blocking and like... Yeah. And that commented on blocking. And I do wonder, is this why loads of like old, outdate pundits and like people who annoyingly say stuff about the rugby are obsessed with blocking? Yeah. Like, that is a good point, actually, because like, thing in the 80s, blocking's just... basically legalised now and frustrated yeah, like you're old often... men are annoyed by that. Yeah, like you have to be really outrageous to yeah. block and get caught, unless of course, you're the referee. Yeah. Um, that France New Zealand game with the referee just run a perfect blocking line. And then France conceded to try because they couldn't see New Zealand's attack because the referee had just like, this was like, oh my God, it was incredible. It was 2016 and it was yes. France to New Zealand and it was yes. peak. France are god awful to watch an attack, but like really good at defending. And they'd been defending like really, really well and like fully dragging New Zealand down to their level. And you were like, is there going to be this moment that happens in like all New Zealand games like this where they finally break through and then they cut loose? 
And it did happen, but it happened just because the referee ran a blocking line. And when <laughs> oh, I remember this now. It was a Sonny Bill Williams scored, wasn't it? Responsibility. <laughs> and the TMO was like, mate, mate. <laughs> he, can't, he can't see the ball because of you. And he's like, mm, sounds like a them problem. <laughs> <laughs> and the New Zealand scored like I completely forgot about that. Yeah. Was yeah. George Clancy? It was an Irish ref. I oh, George Clancy rings a bell. George Clancy definitely rings a bell. It really, like, it really stays with me because I think it's the only time I've ever seen blocking that, like, was so egregious it should be penalised. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> At one point, they refer to, again, Carminati, the 1987 Rihanna and Garth Jones. They refer to him as full-time in the obstruction business on the commentary. <laughs> what a great business to be in. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The thing is, they were amateur players, so he might have been. Might have been. Might have been his real... He might have just put up... He might put up road signs for a living. <laughs> it's, it's, possible. <laughs> it's possible. And then, like, just drift into the road in the way of the car, so they were forced to stop. <laughs> and they just bounce off him. He just shows the cars in the face. <laughs> then he just, like, punched... You know, the driver gets out and he just punches him in the head. <laughs> the full bingo card. He invented Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> this game is not only one of the most iconic games in rugby history, but also the inspiration for Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, a game and Mr. Which Clean. I, a game which I'm told is very popular, and Mr. Clean. It's iconic in so many ways. Mm. Yeah, it's very much Animal Crossing for psychopaths. Constantine, speaking of psychopaths, <laughs> so only one Constantine's bro- brother here is supposedly playing according to Team Sheet up at the beginning of Team Sheet on ESPN Scrum, but Wikipedia has both of them down as having started. So I don't know... 16 if, men. <laughs> I don't know if Stefan Constantine was wearing Nicole Varez, who was the Dan on both team sheets. At the start of the I don't know if he was wearing his face or something. I've just clocked. Mm-hmm. Constantine punched somebody in the previous game. Do you reckon he so got imagine banned? imagine he's banned. He, he must have got banned and then played under somebody else's name. Yeah. His own name. So there's Ooh. two Constantine brothers. And the, Stefan is the other one, the one Stefan. who punched him deep. Yeah. Must have gotten banned, the and then, then yes, he must have gotten banned and written his name down on the team sheet as Nicola Verez before this, and played because they know nobody would check. Right. So I, mean, I reckon I he played. I don't know. I For a second, I thought you meant he'd like put down someone else's name, but like it was just his own name. <laughs> like, <laughs> doesn't seem like the most foolproof strategy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one guy changed his name. One guy changed his birth date. I've got to say, fair play to the New Zealand commentators who were at least pretending to know all the names of the mm. players mm. and things about them. They but did actually like pronounce the names correctly and stuff as well, yeah, which you don't really were, get nowadays. They were a lot more committed to commentary mm. than like many of their modern day peers. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was astonishingly bad commentary for the most. Sure, part, but entertaining like, nonetheless. But they had at least prepped thoroughly. Mm. And like done the basics in terms of learning the names and respect, stuff. respect. Just then they went like wildly off piste with all of the filler stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I got really into giraffes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't. Uh, oh, there's also a bit actually where the commentators start. To- I don't. I don't remember which player it was because, as I said, I refused to learn any of the names. But uh, they were talking about one or two of them playing for the Bucharest Rugby Club. Yes. And we went on like a bit of a segue about the very fine police 
rugby club in Bucharest and I spent that whole segment pulling a real face. And the way he went like, oh yeah, the Bucharest rugby club, they've also got a really popular football club, but they've also got a really popular rugby club down there as well, but they've also got a popular football club and they've also got a popular rugby club. It's like he was reciting everything he knew about Bucharest, but then he went, it's a police rugby club and I was like, it doesn't sound like a very fine like it's, it sounds like a rugby club that I don't want to hang out with. I'm not gonna. Sure. Lie. Yeah. <laughs> like, I I have questions about this very fine and upstanding <laughs> Bucharest rugby club filled by police. I don't know. It just seems like maybe uh, like 1980s Romania. Maybe they're not the most fine and upstanding gentlemen. Although they were <laughs> out shithoused by the French quite thoroughly. So. Yeah, maybe can't maybe. argue with that. Maybe I'm being wildly unfair to the Bucharest police <laughs> rugby team. Is that everything we've got covering the game? I mean, I was just mentioning Constantine does a Mac Hansen and takes a restart oh, yeah. on the fall. Oh, he does. Runs 10 meters down the wing. But he doesn't Which, score. considering the... No. No. boring. Yeah. His yeah. brother's in the previous scored. game. And they are alarmingly quick for locks who are mostly in the team to punch the opposition. <laughs> yeah. they've, got, they've actually got quite a broad skill set when you think about mm. it. Yeah, punching, running, you name it. On the wing. <laughs> they should they should just field all the Constantines. They should like just like find more of them and just field Romania should field an entire team of them. It's like how the captain of their under twenties this year is called Makovey, and it's often no relation to Mihai. But it looks like they could have a they could just hand the captaincy from Makovey. Somebody's to been manifesting that Can since we... he was like nine, <laughs> yeah. saying like, "Oh yeah, we need we we, we need another good player." Your surname's Makovey, like that, that's memorable. We can just fast track you. People will think you're his son. Uh, I think and... also like, every time he introduces himself, he's like, oh, you can just call me McAvoy, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> People call me Don't McAvoy. worry about my first name. Captain, Captain McAvoy. Yeah. <laughs> for, for, for a funny joke. <laughs> <laughs> he just hopes no one asks him if they're actually related. <laughs> so, the are you guys related? No, d- does it matter? <laughs> are you going to judge me like, if I'm not? Has it has bearing on my performance? Yeah. <laughs> he's an accidental nepotism baby. And hey, good on it. Okay, yeah. Is there anything else? Have we covered all of it? Have we covered the whole? I think, I think more or less. Hmm. This is basically a different sport, except yes. for the crossfield kicking malarkey, which I suspect you've covered previously. <laughs> it's all just a, a state, I would it's, say. Yes. One th- yeah, I mean, I don't think I've in any way covered all of my insults. <laughs> <laughs> In my notes. Do you, want, do you want to rattle them off before we go on to Dick of the Days? <laughs> I mean, it's like six pages worth. <laughs> but it's one thing to know, like, in your head that games from back in the day were actually mostly shite. Mm. Once you, like, don't look at the highlights reel. It's another to watch a full fucking 80 minutes of it. Yeah. And, like, try to pay attention and write notes and not just be like... I'm not watching this anymore. <laughs> like, I've had enough. I'm going to stop now, which will obviously like, otherwise be the sensible thing to do. It's like all of these games are not... Like, I can kind of... In my head, I've managed to make it like, oh, we're watching is the equivalent of, like, the worst MLR or Premier 15s or something game of the weekend where, like, the no. players are talented, but it's not that... Like, not the team structures are not that good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Where it's like... It's a league where there are talented individuals, more talented individuals than there are good game plans. But playing off vibes. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's like if, if the Durham Sharks played the Durham Sharks in the Premier 15s or something. <laughs> That's what I've got in my head. Except what was happening here, right, was this was the highest standard you could watch at the time. 
in the world <laughs> big as it got this was the world <laughs> literal world cup this is the team that makes the final in france i, mean, I was gonna say i don't know a lot about the rugby world cup in 1987 mm. except that you know my dad and my uncle went and they're fucking bang on about it no end and therefore as a point of principle i refuse to learn much more but <laughs> i do know that france make the final and obviously <laughs> like you know i've heard of a lot of these french players and yeah i mean <laughs> i mean my general takeaway on France is they look like they're quite good, but not at all competent. Yeah, I mean, there was a lot of like, you know, stuff now, like if you go for an intercept, right? And then you have the <laughs> fucking endless debate of like, is that a, is that a knock-on? Is it a yellow yeah, yeah. or that? And it's always like, oh, is he in a realistic position to get this? And then sometimes you have the quirk where you're like, it's Borden Barrett, so obviously he can. Or like, it's Scott <laughs> Barrett, so obviously he can't. <laughs> Every single time any French player sort of tried to catch the ball, I was like, is he in a realistic position? <laughs> <laughs> it sort of looks like he's not. <laughs> yeah, it was just... At one point, the pundits did actually say things have got a bit ragged. And I was like, that generously implies a different state of affairs at the start. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, at least you have acknowledged... That this is shit. Point, <laughs> yeah. That it's quite bad. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, the bit where they the bit where they replayed the the Chavez try, and I was like, mm. but there are no defenders. <laughs> <laughs> it was like a real. Even though I was sort of ready to make the joke as soon as the try started, I was all ready to be like a real killjoy. Like, haha, where are the defenders? And I was like, no, but seriously, like, just where are? They? <laughs> where? Where? <laughs> Like, I am going to act as a Romanian did, coach and ask... Did dog run on the where? pitch and distract them? <laughs> <laughs> if only. I do if love only. that with that that last Chave try when it's just Bazuscu just chooses not to tackle him and never plays for Romania again. But I mean, how is that a career-ending decision given that's what every other fucking player wants? <laughs> that's fair, that's fair. Very harsh to <laughs> Look, he has nailed four out of four. Kate Bush has written a song about him, so inspired by his performance... How can you drop him? He's an all-time great as well, as we have. (laughs) He's a 61-year-old all-time great. (laughs) The other thing that we haven't mentioned, the the commentator says at one point, Pierre Babizier, the scrum half, they say there's rumours he's going to be the next coach. Yes. They say like he's already lined up, but he's still playing. He's not coached yet. Yeah. Yeah. It was real. I was like... I started to write like a sort of sarky old boys network thing. And then I was like, oh, who the fuck am I kidding? It's like amateur French rugby. They had to have a vote like, what, two years ago to see if they could have a coach outside of... That's true. Like, it wasn't French. And, so... they, and the vote went against them. They're like, we think fucking rugby is like way too dominated by the amateur game in Wales. The French Rugby Union had a vote of all the amateur clubs to see if they were allowed to appoint like basically Warren Gatland as coach. And how much it comes to like, no, pick somebody friends. You're just sweet friends. I think it's because like it eliminates the possibility of Clive Woodward if they vote it has to be Frenchman. Yeah, I mean you can sort of see mm. the logic behind the vote, but you know, still and then the French Rugby <laughs> Union was like, okay, Bon will <laughs> pick Galtier, I guess. Like so I think they would pick the coach while he was still playing and be like, hey you, Vu <laughs> Do you want to be the next coach? It is, it is like if Leicester Tigers said, right now, George Ford's going to be our next coach. That seems like a very Leicester Tigers oh, thing to do, except and also, nastier than George Ford. 
that wouldn't be the worst idea in the world. Yeah. Very true, actually, because Bebezier was a completely batshit player as well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think the problem is not like the idea of just picking a random player to be your coach in the amateur area. The problem is picking this fucking weirdo French man <laughs> who is arguably too stupid to live. A number of points who constantly runs the ball into touch out of fear. <laughs> or like dummies to nobody and then like runs into somebody. Yeah. <laughs> What was your game plan? <laughs> so, okay, so I'm going to talk you through and One of these things will probably come up in a future episode on another mm-hmm. World Cup. But, uh, so Jacques Faureau, who was the coach at the time, who'd been a former French player in the 70s, remained coach for another three years, right? Okay. He was then forced out in a player power decision just before the 91 World Cup. So, right? well, France. So, yeah. Definitely nothing they will ever do again. <laughs> uh, Daniel de Brodka came in, uh, who at the time was the coach of Argen. He again was in charge for the tournament France got as far as the quarterfinals they then lost to England at which point De Brodka grabbed the referee and manhandled him for which he was fired and forced to resign by the French Rugby Union and replaced by Pierre Bebezier oh wow so it came true who retired at the end of the 91 World Cup right so he was appointed as France coach about three weeks after he retired from playing Wow, but they touted him five years in advance. Yeah, they came very close to that. And he remained in charge of the 95 World Cup. He had four years in charge. Wow. And he went on to then coach Italy at the 2007 World Cup. That's really strange. Yep. I mean, it is, but also, again, France. Yeah, no, you yeah. make a very good point, Rhiannon. A nine, I mean, it's just all, if you were going to make a joke about how France were going to pick their next coach, would the things batshit scrum half Manhandling current coach, <laughs> picked five. All of these things are what you would put in your stereotypical job. Yeah, <laughs> you're right. Do you want to bring this home to Rhiannon? Your first appearance on the podcast. I'm going to tie this in. So I don't know if you remember who you gave Dick of the Day to on your first appearance. I thought you were going to say Uncle Bill, um, but it was it was one David Scruller. And who yes. should replace Pierre Bebezier as Ooh. coach of France? But Jean Claude Scruller, the ah. father. Of David Scrella. Fans are fucking all about the dynastic rugby stuff, aren't they? Right? <laughs> Absolutely love a like so... son combo. <laughs> oh, so man the match dick of the day. So we're, I think we're the finally gonna do that. To man yes, the match dick of the day. Where do we want to start? Man the match should be quick. Man the match should yeah. be quick. Okay. Robbie, do you want to start man the match? Sure. I mean, I look, there are three things that I would consider contenders for man of the match. I've also got two three. of them are the French centres, and one of them is the wind. Again, I, I think Philippe Seller looks every bit the extremely good player who was better than this year. That yes. you know we kind of know him to be. Like every time he gets involved, he scores one try in the first half. We didn't really mention, uh, but every time he's involved, you're like, oh, this guy's better than this level by some he, way. He looks good enough that you don't immediately want to take the piss out of the lack of a defence. Like he looks yes. like he would be good if there were a defence there. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is like high praise for this match. <laughs> like he could, he could, if he just dropped him out of nowhere into rugby, like 15, 20 years later, he'd still be good. You know, obviously he'd need better conditioning to cope nowadays, but if you gave him like... Give up, probably have to give up the fags, which I imagine he's <laughs> yeah. prolifically. Uh, President of Romanian Rugby Union. There's another man match contender. President yeah. of Romanian Rugby Union smoking in the stands. Yeah, yeah. Their coaching it's team sat up there all having a fag. Surrounded by kids as well. Yeah. <laughs> like, 100 to uh, 1. 
I was going to mention this in in the Dick of the Day contenders that the Romanian management team chain smoking was incredible. That's mad of the match contender. Dick of the Day, your priorities are fucked, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you convince me. But I think Denny Chauvet is my man of the match. I just think he is the most competent player on the field. Fair enough. And that deserves rewarding when, you know, the others are out there. I'm going to go for Guy Laporte as my man of the match. Okay. Scoring a try, kicking all of those those goals. He made a few very silly errors as well, but I think generally he had a good val- balance of vibes and competence. And hey, he didn't have the perfect game, but I think he played well enough to justify a man of the match vote for me because I do it off vibes. <laughs> so I covered all the same ground as the two of you. I wrote down <laughs> Guy Laporte, I wrote down Chavez, I wrote down Philippe Seller. Then I wrote, who actually cares? And then that fell out of the spirit of the uh, of the question, despite the fact that I think it's a perfectly fucking reasonable response. Yeah, yeah it is. It is. And uh, finally, I came to the medic in the uniform with the cap, which I didn't get a chance to mention at the start, but the medic in this game is a man in a uniform with a proper, like, like a navy cap, like a peaked cap. Okay. Which stays on his head, I presume. Which stays on his head. And I mean, it just, it's obviously normal, right, in 1987. So nobody, like, felt fit to comment on it. But very high up there with the shorts, the old school jerseys, the French nine throwing the ball for, like, peak amateur charm. And I think if more medics in the current game had, you know, a uniform and a hat, they would be better. <laughs> Fair enough. Know. Completely understood. <laughs> the strong man of the match. So a medic in the hat, that's my man of the match. All I love your, it. All your player choices were perfectly fine. But... Nah. Not as good as the medic in the hat. So dicks hat. of the day. I mean, Bebezier's little fuck up at the end is funny. It's realistically between two people for me. Serge Blanco for warming up with an imaginary ball and getting injured. Or the guy whose hat fell off his head and ended up on the South Island. Like, it's one of those two. And I think I have to give it to Serge Blanco <laughs> because of the fact, like, when he got injured, as much as I love Serge Blanco, you couldn't help but look at him and just go, like, this is your own fault, mate. <laughs> I I mean, I have a very strong, I think, kind of torn between, look, there are plenty of content of the Romanian team. Uh, I want to take, put a particular note for ESBN Scrum, have their scrum off, who is obviously the captain as well, that has just been called Comma. Like, just a comma. That's his name, apparently. Are we calling ESPN Scrum the dick of the day here, or comma? Neither, because instead... Mr. Um, instead, for me, look, on top of that, it's, as I said, there's some remaining contenders, but it feels harsh to pick on any of them. For me, it is between Serge Blanco for going off injured when he is the most interesting thing about this game. <laughs> yeah. And Pierre Bebezier for... Playing that shit in the first half whilst attempting to stage a coup. Not <laughs> <laughs> really like, burnishing his credentials. <laughs> if you're if you're planning on overthrowing the management, at least have a shit hot game. <laughs> maybe he wasn't planning on overthrowing them because he was already like groomed to succeed them. Maybe. Maybe. Mm. He felt it was irrelevant how you well just sit back. <laughs> just sit back and do stupid shit. It's fine. You have taught me round. Serge Blanco is my particular day. <laughs> okay, so again, I covered some very similar ground. Definitely think Pierre Bebezier for that 
fucking shit show at the end. In the, <laughs> in the spirit of Dick of the Day, I think that's probably like the strongest contender. Felt very mean considering any Romanian player. I agree. Considered the commentary team. Yes. For the many, many reasons we've laid out. Although I do think, you know, I did at least try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> As we've acknowledged. Uh, and I came to the conclusion that Dick over the days, the two of you for making me watch this game. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so fair enough. You could put your own names down. In. They... Oh, and I am fascinated to see how many of your other guests <laughs> do you, do you want to... similar conclusions. Robbie can write his name down, and then so I learn my lesson when I'm next in the office on that computer, I'll write my name down. <laughs> oh, I've written well. both in. I've written <laughs> both in. I've taken it for the team. You must both write your own names down. And I think at the end, I'm really fascinated to take, like tune into the last episode where... Fabio the dog wins the most miles <laughs> of the matches and you two win the most ticks of the day awards. I'll tell you what, he's still standing as player. <laughs> I thought the wind would give him a run for his money, but, but no. Serge Blanco currently has two man of the match and two dick of the day though, so he might make an oh, appearance okay. of both teams. He might have to play the wing with his own ear, full back. <laughs> Oh, so the, the dog is still standing strong at the top He's of the standing strong. This reminds me of just one of the most iconic cricket commentary moments where a dog runs onto the pitch and they have to pause play. And then there's like a lot of uh, players and ground staff chasing the dog. And obviously it's cricket commentary, right? So it's that weird vibe hmm. of like a little bit euphemistic, but sort of proper and a bit old sure. school. And then uh, <laughs> the dog just decides to go to the toilet. Oh the, no! The way that they're trying to disc—I think they say he's doing an obscenity. I'm afraid. <laughs> and then he sets off running again. <laughs> I'll send it to you afterwards, and uh, you know I highly recommend listeners that you find this noted, <laughs> noted extract of commentary because it's glorious and it really adds to the idea that uh, animals who participate in sporting events should always get none of the match awards. <laughs> I think that's entirely justified. That's very good. So we're coming up on two hours in this podcast, which is impressive. Look, it's not one of the it's, best games of all time. It's a very significant match. It's not one of the best games of all time. We all watched it so many times as a child, and you don't know how long the Hoobs retrospective podcast is going to be when we come to do that. <laughs> oh, yeah, I, mean, I think you're going to. I think you're going to really challenge. Your uh, your longest podcast recording when you get to the Hoob special. So, <laughs> the motorettes <laughs> will certainly be singing. Um, they keep the they keep the engine spinning. Thank you, Rhiannon, for joining us. Where can people find you? Where can people find things related to you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at we Garth Jones. I very occasionally talk about rugby. <laughs> As it's like. Yeah, feel free to feel free to harass me on there. <laughs> I may or may not reply depending on how vibes-based your analysis is. Thank you for coming on, Rhiannon. You're always our probably our most chaotic guest, which is what we're most into. Uh, I really feel to... like I did not bring the chaos this time. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you but bring it... the chaos out of us. Either way, it's the same result. But yeah, no, thank you as always for joining us. This will no was... doubt. No doubt, not to be the last time that we, uh, we get you on there. Whether you accept is a different matter, but yeah, I mean, you might, I might sort of like pre-watch a game before I go through it again. 
But no, this was a delight. Thank you for having me back on. I'm very uh, honoured to contribute to one of the longest ones. Yeah, there's a question mark on delight there, and that's the important part. Yeah, (laughs) time will tell. Time will tell (laughs) if I forgive you or not. (laughs) Thank you, Rhiannon. Thank you, Mr. Clean. Mr. Cl- thank you, Mr. Clean. Don't want to forget him. Don't want to forget him. Very important bonus guest. Uh, thank you, whoever the other guy, who, whoever you are. Yeah. And thank you, myself. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> thank you all for listening. Please join us next week when the game we'll be talking about will be Tonga 16, Wales 29. <laughs> Sounds like a delight. From 1987. <laughs> We're too deep into this. To, to... At what point did you ask? Did you ask yourselves, "Can we stop this?" <laughs> two. The first one was sort of novel. The first one, you kind of went, "Oh, that was funny." We watched the first ever World Cup match, and it was, you know, interesting and whatever. And now we're still doing it. <laughs> And the worst thing is, people are listening. I remember when we had Blaine Scully on, and he went, you know, I just think it's so funny that you guys are doing podcasts on USA v. Roadshow. From we 10 like, years no, ago, that's a serious face. And now we're going... <laughs> I mean, Ireland v. Canada, Scotland v. Zimbabwe, France v. USA, all coming up. I mean, you know, I think we learn things from this game that are applicable to the modern day. We learn lots about the Long hoops. shots are good. Clive <laughs> Woodward's an idiot faster scrums is better you know these are these are takeaways that we can apply to our future rugby analysis i'm not sure i learned them you know i can't or there are other ways i could have done so yeah, um, I feel like just confirmed ideas i already had but... Yeah. but sometimes that's nice sometimes it's a nice way to spend the oh, like, no, five no. hours of my day i've given this i've got a reference point so i do a phd now when you're not allowed hmm. to just be like here is an obvious fact however <laughs> obvious it is you've got to like give a reference hmm. so from now on i'll be like here is an obvious fact about rugby. C, France versus <laughs> Romania, 1987. And no one will watch it back to check. Exactly. It's the perfect footnote. Absolutely. But I got away with when I was in uni citing some books that didn't, or well, either like oh didn't my, exist oh or like. Oh my God, you're giving me facts that didn't. To, yeah. To yeah, we've all been there. Thoughts. You know, but no one could check them because they were, I said they're out of print. I don't know. I got away <laughs> exist. with it. They didn't exist. up. I thought this is the third time I've been in this pod and you have managed to traumatise me in a different way each time. <laughs> Won't be the last. Won't be the last. Well, I'm excited to see what you can come up with the next time. <laughs> I've got lists of ideas. That sounds worse. Yes. Is that a note to finish on? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> rugby and indeed non-rugby. Thank you very much, all of you, for listening. Join us for Tonga against Wales next week. Glenn Webb can't wait. We'll see you then. Thank you very much, all. Good night. Bye. Au revoir. Merci. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rose, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 